You are now tuning into the No Small Talk podcast, and we're your hosts, Ebony and Sherry, two introverts who actually do enjoy conversations, as long as it's not small talk, and you don't have to settle for small talk either. Change the conversation. We're here to show you how. With our conversation starters, we want to help you enjoy meaningful conversations and build better relationships in order to succeed in business, life, and in love. We'll show you how to be confident, present, and vulnerable while starting conversations that you enjoy. Relationships, parenting, careers, money, and wellness are all topics we discuss right here on this podcast. So get your headphones, your cup of tea, and get ready to be inspired to start your next conversation. No small talk. Uh, they cannot do what they want. I got my freedom of speech. Yeah. Get to say what I want. They cannot lock me outside. I walk in right through the front. With a big back like I'm back. You need to get my respect. Hey, 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 friends. Welcome to the podcast and welcome to another episode. Today, we have a special guest joining Sherry and I to the conversation. Her name is Orobosa Owie. And I've known Orobosa since we were kids, and our families are so close that we actually consider ourselves family. We are so excited to have her join the conversation because not only is she family, she has a great personality, knows how to have a great conversation, and she is our people. Yes, Orobosa is an introvert too. She is the CEO of Docs on the Scene, where she's a practice development consultant for women in medicine. She is a professor, former director of the African Affairs Committee at the United Nations, and author of the book, Be Bold, Be Confident, Be You, which is a motivational guidebook for shattering the fear ceiling. I mean, this girl does all the things. On this episode, we ask, who has been the most influential person in your life and why? We love this question because when we think about influence, we understand that there can be people who play an influential role in many different aspects of your life. I have had different people influence me in many different ways, spiritually influence me on my work ethic, or even influence my perceptions of my own self. We think that this is a great conversation starter because this question really allows a person to do some deep reflection. There are no small talk or shallow answers with this question. Now you can trust us here at No Small Talk that every conversation leads to deeper connections. We learned so much about our guest and we were really inspired by her. We were inspired by the lessons she shared that she learned from her late mother. Sherry also inspired us by sharing how her cousin's selfless acts of giving and empowering those in her local community has inspired her to be intentional about giving. And I opened up about how my parents' relationship and their resilience and dedication to their marriage for over 40 years has inspired me in my own marriage. Honestly, we had a great conversation and we walked away so inspired and encouraged to be our best selves. So without further ado, I hope that you enjoy the episode and that you also are inspired to becoming your best selves always. Stay tuned. So we're going to just jump right into the conversation. So Orobasa. Why don't you tell us who has been the most influential person in your life and why? Ah, That's a good question. I think I have a lot of people in my life who mean something, but I think the person who's the most influential is my mom. 
my mom was my everything. Like she is the ideal woman who I've strived to be each and every day. At an early age, I lost my mom. So at the age of 15, my mom had passed and it was a sudden incident. But when I think back now, as I'm an adult, all of the principles that she shared with me really creates and made who I am as a person today. She taught me to be confident. She taught me to be proud of where I come from. My mom was African-American and many people don't know that. They think like, oh, you have a full <laughs> Nigerian Benin yeah. name. And many people ask, how did that happen? And I'm just like, my mom was a person who was a proponent for supporting the culture that my dad was from. And my dad being Nigerian, he's like, listen, no child of mine is going to have an American name. They got to <laughs> know their roots. If Typical she gets married. Nigerian. <laughs> If she gets married, how would they? And she marries Johnson, how would they know she's from Benin? <laughs> so oh my, uh, my mom was just like, you know what? If that's what you want, if that's what you believe, and I'm definitely here to support you. And uh, myself and my brother, uh, we share the same mother, same father. We both got full Benin names. <laughs> so on paper, we look like we just came from a dough state. But she is the one who taught me to even just be acceptive of other people's cultures. Growing up in Brooklyn, it is a melting pot of people from all over the world. And I think because of the upbringing that I had and the principles and just the leadership my mom has showed me as a young girl, it allowed me to accept people for who they are. It allowed me not to judge people quickly, but it also made me interested in exploring the world beyond Brooklyn. It made me say, okay, outside of being a Brooklyn girl, outside of being Nigerian, what does the world have to offer? And a lot of that was just from her principles. Like, listen, whenever you meet somebody, put your best self forward. Give them an opportunity to get to know you, but also be proud of where you came from. Be proud that you are a Black girl and you have a vision, you have a goal. I'm proud of you. Because for me, I was very introverted. So this is why I love this show concept. If I had this show or podcast when I was younger, I definitely think it would help me further quickly become more of a person who's outspoken. I know when people look at me, they're like, you, are you, you know, Mm -hmm. introverted? And it's just like, yeah, (laughs) I am. And I think that came from just living under a fear ceiling. And, you know, I talk about that a lot and losing when you're having something like trauma happen in your life, when you lose someone who's influential to you, who's a part of your everyday being. Never in my mind would I thought at 15, you don't have a mom. How did that happen? It, it just made me go onto this fear ceiling. And I always was guarded. I always was protective of myself. And as you get older and actually writing my book, it made me think about my mom and just like, she wouldn't want me to be afraid of the world. You know, she was a woman who people loved her. People were always at my house. Like when I was growing up, I always had like a family get together, friends. My friends would always want to come to my house is because the energy my mom exuded. She was like a woman of substance. She always had great wisdom. She always seemed very cool. Like many people were like, oh, your mom is cool. Like <laughs> I can come to your house. And I'm just like, yeah, to y'all. But for me, you know. <laughs> Right. Uh, And I I don't have the typical, you know, growing up Nigerian, like even my dad was kind of a calmer parent. So I didn't really have those stories. But she is a representation of what a woman of great substance, a woman who is kind, a woman who is about her business, because my mom was a businesswoman. In addition, she was a leader. Um, She used to work for ACS. And as you can imagine, in Mm. New York, 
during the 90s, what that was like, and still had time for her children and still put us first. And even to her last day on this earth, she put us first. She was worrying about my brother and I, what was going to happen to us, who was there. She was counseling everybody, like, make sure you take care of my kids. And they're like, don't oh. worry, uh, they're, they're going to be fine. I didn't know she knew she was dying. You know, she never mm. told anybody. I wouldn't have known. But that strength allowed me to say, you know what, if my mom can do it, what is my excuse? And I always think about her. You know, everything that I do, I think about, okay, does this make my mother proud? Wow, that's amazing. I have a couple of friends who lost their mothers at an early yeah. age. And of course, you know, as a child, I'm sure you were, there's confusion, there's hurt, there's pain, there's feelings of loneliness, especially losing a mother and seeing maybe other children with their mothers. I'm sure sometimes it was difficult. And I find that though there's certain times as that individual becomes older as an adult, they start to remember their mother even more. Mm -hmm. So do you find yourself now as an older woman and living life as a woman now, thinking about your mother more so than maybe when you were younger? Absolutely. I think for anybody who loses a mom, the thought of them doesn't go away. You learn how to just cope with the fact that they're not here, but everything about their essence follows you. And for me, it was very instrumental for me to tell my story. I remember when I was younger, I was going to elementary school. You know, I used to play double Dutch. And because I was very reserved and quiet, in the morning, they had like um, morning recess before you go to class. We used to jump rope. And so I always had the good rope because my dad was in IT. So my dad had like a computer <laughs> store. And so I remember having it and my mom used to drop me to school. And for some reason, she stayed by the gate just to see how I was interacting with other people. And I remember the girls mm -hmm. was like, oh, you know, we're going to jump. And so I'm like, OK. And so I'm turning and my mom is looking like, what are you going to jump? Like, this is your role. When are you mm -hmm. going to jump? And I was just there because I'm just like, OK, we're, we're all jumping. I'm going to, you know, turn. And my mom, she came. I remember she had nail red polish on and she took the rope and she was like, listen, this is her rope she has to get a turn first. She's the one who's going to jump first. Everybody else will jump after. So who's wow. going to jump the rope? In my mind, I was like, whoo. <laughs> like, I would have wow. never done that. I, you know, I would have never done that. But it was monumental for me because it was like, no, you need to stand up for yourself. Not to say that you need to be a mean person or a nasty person, but people need to be fair to you. People need to not only see you, but also hear you. I love that. And I love that. I love that. You have that experience with her, right? And those memories of her. And the reason why I asked that was because, you know, as children, we kind of just take things for granted. Things happen. Our parents talk. We don't think much of it. And we don't realize how much of all of that information, the things that they taught us, the things that we watched that we didn't even realize was coming into our subconscious helped prepare us for certain situations, right? So I'm mm -hmm. sure... I mean, and I, in every episode, I feel like we use the hashtag adulting, right? As we go through this adulting and we run up against different situations, whether it's in intimate relationships with romantic partners, whether it's in relationships with colleagues or friends, you run up against roadblocks. And I love the fact that you are able to hear your mother's voice, right? Mm -hmm. And channel those experiences and channel her and, and remember the things that she's taught you. And even though she's not here with us physically, she's here with you and it's her voice, right? And it's her values that she ingrained in you that leads you and is guiding you. I love that. We realize that what our parents say to us, as much as we try to ignore it and think that they don't know anything, 
it's all that we're led by, honestly, when we get older and we do this thing called adulting. Just to touch back on what you said, Cherry, I definitely agree with that because while we're in it and we're living it, we don't realize that this will shape us as Mm -hmm. we grow up, as we become adults and actually become ingrained in our lives. So Sherry. So this question really is interesting because I hear it all the time. I hear other people ask that question, but I myself have never thought about it for myself until you brought it up, Ebony. And as Arobus has said, I have many people around me that are influential that have impacted me in different ways. But I will say more recently, one of my cousins, Fiola, has been very influential. In this time in my life, I've been really focused on giving to others and and serving others. And I can honestly say she does that so well. Mm -hmm. And I will say that although I've been blessed and fortunate to have good paying jobs, I was not always the best saver. I think I would spend money just to fill a void. And so even though I was making a good amount of money, I was also living check to check. Mm -hmm. And there were times where, full disclosure, I would have to ask her for some money to pay rent, right? Because I did not save properly. I did not budget properly. And she's always come to my rescue. No matter how much money I asked for, she always came to my rescue. She never asked me why. She never Mm -hmm. asked me when I was going to pay her back. And I remember after a while, I used to think, who has this much money they can just offer to people? And I was just impressed by that. And I remember after a while saying, I want to be in a position where I can give money to someone, anyone that's in need, I can give money to someone and me not be so pressed about it and condition it upon them, giving it back to me by a certain date. And I just see her as a very selfless human being. She and her friends have a group together where every month they just pull funds together and they help other people in Nigeria, specifically people who are patients at hospitals who can't pay their bills. And in Nigeria, that's a big thing. It's a big deal. A lot of patients, unfortunately, don't have insurance. Depending on their socioeconomic status, they don't have the money to pay the bills. Sometimes there's complications that happen that require more services. And in Nigeria, they will not let you out the hospital unless you pay up. And so her and her friends for years now, this is what they do. They just pull money, like their own money, and they just go to different hospitals in the neighboring towns and ask for a list of patients who need help. Wow. And they ask about their story and they just donate. And they've been doing it for some time where they've kind of mentioned it to some friends and friends now just offer like, hey, I want to give you guys some money to help towards your cause. And I recently have been able to do that, especially with COVID. I feel like with COVID and all that's been going on and when Black Lives Matter, the whole campaign started, Ebony and I, we were talking about, we need to be in a position to help ourselves, right? Because the government is not helping us. We need to start helping ourselves. And that resonated with me deeply because I do think that many of us are in positions to help ourselves, but we think that we have to come up with this grand idea. We think we need this big nonprofit organization to have impact. But I see my cousin and her friends 
having their own impact in their own little way. And they have strong, significant impact. Like they've helped so many families. So I just constantly just think about her and how much she's impacted me in that way. She's impacted me in many other ways, but specifically in this piece of having enough to give to others. And I'm better now, thank God, with budgeting and saving. But I will say that has been one of the primary reasons not to buy a house, not to invest. I want to say that I always have enough or more than enough to give to someone else. Mm. One of the biggest blessings you can give to someone. She has her own company and her and her husband hire homeless people in the neighborhood. They find ways to employ them. And you should see how excited those individuals are. They feel like someone gave them a chance. Someone trusted them. And one day I turned, I said, do you understand like God is using you to be able to hire people, to be able to take people off the street and say, you know what, this company, these people may not give you a chance, but we're going to give you a chance. That place where she has her business is not the safest neighborhood, Mm. but she is protected because Those people are protecting her. (laughs) She looked out for them and they are so appreciative and so grateful for what she is doing for them, giving them a chance and them being able to support themselves. Even if it's them being able to buy themselves a meal, they feel so good about it. So she does these things and she doesn't brag. It's just being around her and seeing her do these things that she know that she's doing it. And so she's been really inspirational to me and influential to me, especially around this time in my life where I'm thinking about how I can be more impactful to other people around me, how I can be of service to other people around me. Wow, I'm inspired by your cousin. I don't think I know this cousin that you're referring to, but um, like, that's just so beautiful. She sounds like a really true unsung hero that you don't hear about, but that's really beautiful. Yeah. I like the fact that she gives opportunities to other individuals who are not often in a place where they would be considered first. Because I think there's a fine line between homelessness. It is literally by the grace of God that you have the means to take care of yourself. And so any day it can be all taken away from you and you can be in that position. And so I never despise humble beginnings and I never look down on a person who doesn't have, because I could be in that situation. I could have lost it all. I'm thankful I'm still able to take care of myself and be comfortable, but that can be taken away from us. I have little kids and sometimes we as parents and you and I had a conversation the other day about the kids and they had did something. And, you know, we talked about sometimes we parents, we spoil them and stuff like that. So sometimes I try to remind my kids most of the time how privileged they are to have the things that they have, because that is not the norm for most people in this world. Most people around the world don't have what you have. You have the luxury of being able to play video games or having three square meals and more a day Mm -hmm. and wasting food. A lot of people are suffering in this world. So it's very important for you to be grateful for what you have. And we try to instill in them the importance of giving to people and how you can impact people's lives. Speaking of your cousin's story, when we first moved to our neighborhood, we moved to a neighborhood that's gentrifying is in transition right now and there was a man that used to come by and ask us if he could like pick up things in front of the house and things like that and you know he doesn't have a home he is homeless or he was homeless he has housing now 
But, you know, if you see him on the street, you'll probably have your assumptions of his background and who he is. But my husband actually, and I love this about him because I feel like he's a very selfless person. He actually hired him to permanently clean the front of the yard. So like twice a week, he comes out and takes out the garbage. He cleans the front and the backyard. And my husband like pays him to do this. And now it's not on a big scale as your cousin, but like little things like that can really impact people's lives. And it really touched me too, because I'm like, it doesn't take a lot. A lot of times we think that we, like you said, Cherry, have to be a part of some organization or donate some large amount of money, but just the little bit of help that we can lend to somebody can really change their lives. Do you know that this man now is employed by several people on the block? Like they saw Mm -hmm. that this is what he does and they have all offered him to, hey, oh, you clean that house over there um, on their street? You're cleaning, you know, Ebony and Chimiso. You know what? Why don't you come clean ours and we'll pay? So you can actually see him in the neighborhood sweeping in front of stores, sweeping in front of people's houses, and he was able to get housing for himself. So I think that even if we just do a little bit, and I, I'm inspired by this story because I always want to give back too, but a lot of times we get in our head of, oh, it has to be on some level. But this reminds me that even if it's something as small as giving someone the opportunity to work, you know, or do something where they get a salary, you can really change people's lives. So I'm really happy that you shared that story with us, Sherry, because it really now reminds me that we as people have an obligation, you know, especially those of us who have it, who are privileged or blessed and we have it to give. I, I do think that we have an obligation to give back to other people's and maybe yeah. to shape people's lives in a positive way. I agree with both of you ladies when you said that I'm sure all of us, we have people that are influential in our lives in different ways. I've had throughout my life, spiritual mentors who have been very impactful on helping me develop my Christian life and my prayer life and so forth. Mentors with my career, people who have been a good example of having a good work ethic, advocacy and all of that. But I would honestly say that the two most influential people in my life are my parents. And that's because I think that they both equally have been really good examples of how to be a good friend, how to have a good and strong marriage, how to be good parents, good work ethic, strong entrepreneurs. I feel like my parents have been a full package, honestly, and good examples. They're not perfect. No one's perfect. My parents are not perfect. They have their quirks about them, too, that parents can drive you crazy. But I want to specifically talk about the marriage part about it, because as a person who's been married now, we're going on 10 years of marriage. People usually say that the first five years of marriage is difficult. They're not lying. (laughs) My mother always says that marriage is the only time you will get your certificates before you even started learning, which is true. You get that marriage license, but you have, you're in for it, right? There's so much you're going to learn about yourself, about your partner, just how it is to like, just be selfless, compromise and all of that. And even though people tell you all of this, you really don't know how it is until you're in it. Like it's really a learning process and a growing process. And when I look back at my parents' relationship, I feel like looking at them today, they are a great example of how you can overcome so much and still be able to have that strong love, that bond, that friendship. Like my parents literally during the pandemic, Sherry, you know this, they would literally play Ludo and have Ludo competitions every day. 
of course, every marriage has tough times and you go through tough things. And there were many times in their relationship where they both could have called it a quit several times, you know, and I don't know how that would have affected my life or my siblings' lives and where we would be today. But because of the love that they have for their kids, they were willing to put in the work. And I appreciate that. I think it really shaped me and it helped me understand like, okay, no marriage is perfect. You're in a tough marriage right now. I'm not talking about right now, but like in the first few five years of the marriage, obviously it was, it was tough, but you can overcome this. So I picked my parents because I feel that I've learned a lot from them in terms of how a partnership can be. I'm still learning. We don't know everything and we're still growing together even after 10 years of marriage and 17 years of relationship. We still have a long way to go, but I look at them as a great example of where I would like to be 30 years from now in our marriage, playing Ludo in the living room, arguing over, put it on CNN, no, put it on WWE, like silly stuff. I look up to my parents. I'm very happy that they have really been a good role model to myself and my siblings. And I hope that I can be the same for, for my children, regardless. And I think that your parents, and I know your parents were separated, you had mentioned earlier. And I don't think that parents need to stay married necessarily to be a good role model to their children. I love that you said that your mom was very intentional about making that very clear to your dad, like even though they're not together, he's going to have that relationship with his children. He's going to be in their lives. He can see them as often as he wants. And I think that that in itself, that's a great person, a great mom. And that's a great way for you guys to grow up, to have that relationship with your father. And I think that as parents, it's very important for us to ensure that we're being strong for the kids, despite whatever issues we have. And I've, I've learned that. I've learned that in seeing what my parents have gone through. And again, I'm still learning But I appreciate my parents as crazy as they can be sometimes, as tough as they have been on me. I know that everything that they have done and everything that they've sacrificed and everything that they've told us have all been done in love. Even though I may not have agreed with my parents as a young person, as an adult and as a parent now, I can appreciate a lot of the lessons that I was able to learn growing up. So when I think of my kids and I look at my kids now and they probably think I'm a crazy mom and I'm strict, I know that when they get older, a lot of these lessons and a lot of things that I am instilling in them now, they will be able to use that and they will appreciate some of those things as we discussed um, earlier. That's at least my prayer. That's my hope. They will. We're examples of that. And think about when we told our parents, oh, I'm not going to be like you. They looked at us like, "Mm mm-hmm, I said that too, right? So I think every child parent, we go through that. We have that relationship. We always said that we were going to be like our parents. We're like them now. Our kids are going to say the same thing to us and their kids are going to say the same thing to them. So, you know, of course we put it in prayer, but I'm sure those lessons are always there. They can choose to follow them or choose to not follow them, but the lessons are always there. And the influence is always there. When you talk about your parents being a source of inspiration and them being one of the most influential people in your life because of the fact that they stuck together despite the difficulties, that's deep because about two years ago, I started thinking about my parents and 
I will tell you, and I'm sure we've seen things in our households, right? Like no mm-hmm. marriage is perfect. And there are times going up, I would say, I'm not going to be like her, talking to my mother. I'm not going to settle for this. How can she tolerate this? And there were times where I just felt like my father could be better. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I kind of resented both of them. Really, I resented my father for maybe not always being as considerate as he could be. And I resented my mother for not being able to stand her ground or leave, you know, <laughs> leaving is an option, you know, and stop using us, your kids as an excuse. But as an older person now, I can see that they are much better today than they were back then. But as an older person now who, at my age, my father was already married, had all of his kids, was going to school. He already had his first house. I, at that age now, don't have all of that. And I'm all over the place. So I can't even imagine me being with somebody. I will be just as messy. So being older, I'm able to understand that they did what they were able to do with what they had at that time. My father was a 35-year-old acting like a 35-year-old. And me, as a however old I was, saw him as much older than what he really was. So I wasn't able to see him as a person. And so... I sit back and think about it and empathize with him and my mother more as an adult. And I thank God because I say that my mother could have left. If she wanted to, she could have left. You know, she had every right to, as a human being, we have every right to say enough is enough. But if she left, our life may be different. And I'm glad that she gave it a chance because she's able to see a better version of my father that she may not have been able to see if she decided right? Because we're all evolving. And it's not to criticize anyone that has decided to leave. I'm a divorcee myself. And so some situations do call for it. But as you said, looking at your parents and having them as your foundation, I'm sure when you have those moments with Chimdi, (laughs) where you kind of want to go, they're like, you know what? My parents have been here before. I've probably seen worse and this is not my worst and I'm just going to call on God for strength and be patient and see my husband as a human being first. And he's not perfect and neither am I. He's doing what he's doing with what he has. And so am I. And kind of coming with that understanding and interacting with that understanding kind of makes it easier. It's not always going to feel good, but maybe we can work through it. Absolutely. I know I'm going to see the better version of myself and him soon, by God's grace. (laughs) Absolutely. And I definitely think that my mom is happy with, because like you said, my mom too had every right. So if she wanted to, had every right to walk away if she wanted to, or my dad or whatever. But I know that she's grateful that she was able, like you said, to see the better version of him today and their relationship. So I think that that definitely inspires me to know, okay, like it's normal to have issues in the marriage. Everyone's going to go through it, right? But just fight and try to work it out. There are some situations that cannot be worked out. I understand that. And I respect people who decide that they need to walk away from the marriage. But in the situation that I'm dealing with, can I work it out? Can it be worked out? Do I see the light at the end of the tunnel? And my parents 
where they are now is that light at the end of the tunnel for me. Yeah, it's yeah. normal to have problems in relationships. That's Very. What you're saying, right? And I think the problem too is our culture tells us to get married. So when I say our culture, this is not just African culture, it's not just Nigerian culture, even American culture, you sit on TV, right? As little girls, we are groomed and trained. You know, you get to this age, you have to get married. We are pushed to get married. Even men, you make money, then you look for a wife. So we are taught to get married, but we're not taught how to be married. Yeah. No yeah. one teaches us. No one tells us these are the types of issues you're going to deal with. This is what he might say when you do this. This is why your husband is getting angry when you do this. Or this is why your wife is upset when you don't do this. They don't teach us any of that. And I don't understand why. Because I think that if we went in more prepared, we would feel a bit more empowered and a bit more comfortable to navigate these situations. And, you know, it's funny because this came up, you know, everyone's watching Bridgerton. I'm not sure if you guys are watching Bridgerton on Netflix. Yeah, I am. I'm, I watched Bridgerton. I did. But it came up, right? These females are groomed to get married by a certain age, right? I mean, it's a whole journey, a whole process. They go to these balls and to meet these guys who are courting them, but they know nothing. They have had no relations with guys, don't even know sex. They don't know anything. And you see this female in her marriage, not even understanding how to get pregnant. Right. At one point she gets upset with her mother. Why didn't you tell me this? Right. Why didn't you tell me that this is what I have to do to get pregnant? Right. Why didn't you tell me that he's supposed to touch me in a certain way? It was resentment she had towards her mother because all her mother did was teach her how to be pretty, teach her how to talk, teach her how to look a certain way and be a certain way to be marriageable, but didn't right. teach her how to be married. And we need to start training our girls and boys how to be married, what it means to be a wife, what it means to be a husband, what it means to coexist, yeah. right? Because dating is different. It's we're totally different. Combining bills and finances when we're dating. But you're doing that as a married couple and how mm -hmm. do you do that successfully? We're not raising kids when we're dating. Right. Also, that marriages highlight your insecurities. As you marry a person, if you are not secure in many areas of your life, if all areas of your life, all marriage is going to do is highlight the insecurities that you have. And so I think society idolizes marriage because, yes, most women, most men, they strive to that. You know, I mean, there's some important things that come with marriage from a spiritual perspective. But I think we also live in a society where people are not really giving you the guidebook to relationships in the capacity because that would scare people. A lot of people operate from fear. And so if I was to really sit down people who are not really sure about themselves to expose them what you're going to experience in marriage, you may not see many people get married. I think what people really need to seek for is that support system. I think that's very important. As Ebony has stated, she looks to her parents. And I'm pretty sure you have friends and, and, and things, people who you can feel comfortable to share what you're going through and also know that on the opposite side of pain, on the opposite side of this issue, there's a place of hope. There's a place where it can get better. Is it really that detrimental that you need to leave? There are some things that are unforgivable. There are some things that I won't say even unforgivable because we're supposed to forgive, but things that 
it hit below the belt. It's a no-go, it's a non-negotiable for you. But for many people, the biggest challenge is that they're not sure who they are. They don't know really how to communicate what's going on with them. Because you may not have to communicate, but you're not able to communicate to your partner what you're really feeling. And that leads into people just, I'm not talking to you today. And and then just the relationships that I was in that didn't work out well, it was because of communication. How do I expect you to know that I'm feeling like this if I don't say anything to you? You know, and I think that is what's happening in society. We have a snapshot, we use Instagram, social media has really put a perception out there that people are picture perfect, but outside of the internet, life really happens. And you have to really be securing yourself. And you also have to be secure in your flaws. It's not only just, um, this person, like, no, I have flaws and be honest, I have flaws. <laughs> And maybe sometimes I don't know how to tell you that I'm going through this or I'm experiencing this, but when I'm responding this way, this is what that means. And I just appreciate that if you give me a little grace and I think our parents' generation is really good at just giving the grace, you know, we don't understand it because we're like, oh no, you know, I wouldn't have to take that. But our parents knew like, listen, you don't just throw away the relationship because it's not going my way. I'm going to give that person grace because they're not a perfect person. And I think that's what our parents teach us because my dad did remarry and I, he was in with my stepmom for a long time. And I just saw it even in marriage. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Yesterday, you like my rice. Today, you don't want the rice. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Robosai, we're going to move to the next segment. This is what we like to call the speed round, where we're going to ask you some questions and you answer. Sounds good to me. Okay, so the first question is, what three books would you bring on Introvert Island? Ah, that's interesting. Okay, definitely my Bible. Definitely would bring the Bible. I think that's on it outside of Introvert Island. That's what keeps me grounded or anchored in the word. Um, So the Bible is one. Then a second book I will bring is actually President Obama's book, The Audacity of Hope. And I read that book during his first term. And if I was on an island and really not talking to anybody, it would allow me to live through what I can identify as the American dream. You know, everybody's perception of what the American dream is, is subjective. But when I read it through President Obama's lens, I really felt like as an African-American woman, as a Black person, I can identify with some of the challenges he experienced in life, but also some of his best successes. To become the first Black president of the United States of America, nobody would have ever thought that that was possible. And he did it so eloquently. He did it so boldly, so bravely. That's something I can appreciate and see and also see my American dream to be similar to what he has put out in his book. So I definitely will bring that book. And in the third book, definitely got to bring my own book. (laughs) Be Confident, Be You, a motivational guidebook for shattering the fear ceiling. Because when you are by yourself, sometimes fear, that is the time it creeps in. It creeps in when you're alone. It creeps in when no one is around you to be a distraction, but it allows me to just really remember who I am and remember that the challenges and the trials and tribulations I've experienced in life didn't break me. It only was used to propel me forward. My name didn't stop me. Being who I was didn't stop me. It was actually the sauce that got me in. So those are definitely the three books I would bring on Introvert Island. What is your favorite no small talk conversation starter? 
Oh, that is a good one. Maybe like before COVID, I went to, it was like a speed dating situation. Yes. And they had the question of, if you had to have some intro music, what would be the song? And I thought that was a very interesting question because the speed dating was from like professionals. So everybody's like trying to show their best self. We would love for you to share with people how they can connect with you after the show, your social media, where they can find you, because they're going to want to know. So on Instagram, I'm at aerobusa underscore leads. And that's really much all of my platforms, but I'm most active on Instagram. Facebook, I mean, it's just being imported from Instagram. (laughs) If you want to connect with me, Instagram is the place. Also, you can learn more at my website. So www.aerobusaware.com. And so it has all of that goodness of what I'm up to next on there. But once again, ladies, thank you for your kind words. And thank you so much for having me. It was definitely a great conversation. And to the no small talk listeners, definitely feel confident that it's okay to be introverted. It's okay to have that reservation. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it's time to shine, show up and be great at it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of No Small Talk. If you feel that you were inspired by this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and also shoot us a rating at Apple Podcast and share, 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 share with anyone that you know that would enjoy this episode or enjoy any of the episodes here at the No Small Talk podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. So if you want to share your thoughts and your comments, you know where to find us on social media. No Small Talk podcast on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. We always love to hear from you all. And we love to hear from you if there are any things that you would like us to talk about on the show so we can discuss them right here on the podcast. But again, we just want to thank you for tuning in. And we hope that you continue to be inspired by us and by the content that we bring on this podcast. And until next time, continue to be great. Continue to be the best version of yourself. And remember, no small talk. Bye. On God, I come from a place that goes so hard. I'm not afraid of words, you can bring the bar. If you don't want problems, then don't start. Don't start. They told me shut up and dribble. Tell your president, act presidential. Bottom line, I won't keep quiet, not this time. Not this time.